0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. How are you today? You're doing okay? Yes, good. Why did I shout that to you? I don't know. I don't know why I kind of demanded to know uh, how you're doing uh, today. Uh, but anyway, I hope that you're doing fine, as always. Here's another episode with more English listening practice for you to get stuck into. And I have another guest on the show today. This time, it's Anna Tyree from English Like a Native. The channel on YouTube. Do you know English like a native? Uh, the channel on YouTube. Do you know Anna Tyree? You might know uh, her if you've ever been on YouTube. You know what YouTube is. Have you heard? Have you heard of the internet? If you've been on YouTube and you've you know you've searched for learning English content, you've probably found. Anna Tyree, English Like a Native. You've probably seen some of her stuff. You might also know her from Instagram and TikTok. Well, Anna has recently set up a podcast too, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. It's called the English Like a Native podcast. In fact, on the same day we recorded this conversation for this episode of this show, the one that you're listening to right now, On the same day we we did this, Anna also interviewed me for her podcast, and we had a good long conversation about all sorts of things. It was very nice to be interviewed by her. You should be able to find that episode on her show now. I mean, not not right now, obviously, because you're listening to this. Don't just like, just drop this one and just go straight over. Don't abandon me that quickly, okay? What I mean by. You should be able to find that episode on her show now. I just mean it's available now. I don't mean just like drop my show like a stone and just jump over. But, you know, if you enjoy this conversation that you're going to hear today, then go ahead and listen to the one on Anna's podcast too. And, you know, go ahead and subscribe to her podcast as well. Uh, You will find a link in the description. Okay. Right. So, coming up in this conversation. You will hear me getting to know Anna a bit, you know, just the usual, uh, where are you from type stuff, because this was the first time I'd actually met and spoken to Anna. So there's a bit of the usual getting to know you type stuff. And uh, I talked to her about her podcast and her YouTube channel and what the name really means, English like a native, what that really means. And then the main subject. Of this episode is talking about children. And we decided that we could talk about a particular topic for this episode rather than just rambling our way through the entire thing, although that could have been good too. But no, we, we decided to uh, focus on a specific topic this time. And that topic ended up being children. I've had requests from listeners in the past for more on the subject of children and the English language. I imagine because many of you out there who are parents who, or who are going to be parents and all the rest of it, you're interested or curious in uh, the way that we use English with kids because you might be considering speaking English with your children, which is a good idea uh, to give them a little head start. Even if your English is not 100% completely perfect or anything, it's still a good idea to use English with your kids. Because, you know, anything is better than nothing, basically, when it comes to language learning. Give them a little head start. Give them a chance to uh, communicate with uh, someone that they are close to in another language. It will help. Certainly better than not doing it at all, right? Anyway, uh, children is the, is the topic, okay? Uh, including the way we talk to children, the way we talk about children, and the specific words for lots of things related to children, So we talk about our own kids and specifically about how we communicate with them. Typical things we say to them, in English, of course. How we should be careful about things we say to our kids, sometimes. The ways adults adapt their English when talking to little children, including examples of so-called baby talk or parentese. And then there's a sort of quiz at the end with questions about specific English words for lots of the different objects, toys, and bits of useful equipment that we use with babies and little kids. Do you know all the vocabulary of kid stuff and baby stuff? Well, there's a quiz with quite a lot of it in, in, in it. Hmm? There's a quiz with quite a lot of it in it at the end. That's not, that's the worst sentence I've ever come up with. But there's a quiz containing a lot of that useful vocab at the end of this episode. That's that's better. That's better. Okay? Now, as you know, I have a daughter, and she is five, okay? Five years old. So, a lot of that baby stuff almost seems like a distant memory now. But, well, it's high time I remembered all of that vocabulary again now, because drumroll, Thinking, what, 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 what's going on? Drum roll. What's the drum roll? Let me back up again. Let me back up and go back to the beginning of that sentence because some of you didn't get it, right? Why, why, why is Luke doing a drum roll? Okay, let me start that sentence again, see if you can notice what's going on here. As you know, I have a daughter and she is five. So a lot of that baby stuff almost seems like a distant memory now. But... It's high time I remembered all that vocabulary again now because drum roll. A drum roll is what you do to create a sense of suspense before a big revelation of something new information is going to be revealed. Drum roll. Ta-da. Yes, you guessed it. My wife is pregnant again and we're going to have another baby. That's why I did the drum roll. My wife's pregnant. We're going to have another baby. Yes, now I need to leave a little pause now. There's a little pause just to let you react. Uh, Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for your. Thank you for saying congratulations, which is obviously what you just did, isn't it? And yes, we are delighted. We're absolutely delighted. I am delighted. I'm going to be a dad again. And yes, thank you. Because obviously at this moment, you are now saying or you're thinking about saying or you've just said, maybe not out loud, but possibly in your head. And if you didn't, then, you know, you can take this as a a little English lesson for the things that you're supposed to say when you find out that someone is pregnant. Thank you for, for saying even in your head. Wow, Luke, that's fantastic. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. All right, because you did just think that, didn't you? Wow, Luke, that's fantastic. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. And then all of the typical questions will probably come to mind, right? What are the questions that we always ask or that we sort of socially are obliged to ask out of the general rules of social etiquette? What are those questions that we always ask when we find out that someone is pregnant after we've said, oh, well, fantastic, not well done? It could be well done. I mean, it depends, but normally it would be like, congratulations, I'm very happy for you. And then the questions. Well, you might say, can I ask when the baby is due? Can I ask when the baby is due? Now that's a slightly more polite form of question than just saying, when's the baby due? Which you could ask, that's fine. Oh, fantastic. When's it due? Or if you want to be a bit more tentative and a bit more polite, can I ask when the baby is due? And due, by the way, that's spelt D-U-E. When's the baby due? Or can I ask when the baby is due? What's the due date? There's another one. What's the due date? When's it due? Can I ask when it's due? Ah, notice the inversion. Did you notice? When is it due? That's the normal question format. But can I ask, if you add can I ask, then we do an inversion. Can I ask when the baby is due? When is it due? Can I ask when it is due? You see, that's an inversion. Ah, Fascinating stuff, grammar. Anyway, that means when is the birth date expected to be? When's the baby due to arrive? When's the baby due? And do you know if it's a boy or a girl? Do you know if it's a boy or a girl yet? Would you like to know? And uh, are you are you ready? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Do you have any names? Do you have any ideas for names? And then stuff like oh, and how's you know? You might ask me how's your wife doing? Is she okay? And uh, how about your little daughter? How does she feel about it? Is she excited? Is she excited to be a big sister? And so on. So you may be asking those questions. Um, now I'm sure I'll talk about this again because this is I'm still in the introduction to an episode with Anna. Um, and so I shouldn't really be going on about this too much. And I'm sure I will talk about this again in another podcast fairly soon. Maybe I'll do a rambling episode where I can just freely waffle like this and answer all those questions. Um, but anyway, I thought I would let you know now. Of course, the child hasn't even been born yet, so there's a long way to go. I say there's a long way to go to just to let you know my wife is... Uh, it's, It's basically the middle of the pregnancy right now. She's in the middle of the second trimester. Obviously, we have the first trimester, the second trimester, and the third trimester. So she's in the middle of the second trimester. It's pretty much in the middle of the pregnancy at this moment, and everything seems to be going fine so far. Fingers crossed. Touch wood. Right? All normal as far as we can tell. But yeah, the child hasn't even been born yet, so there is a long way to go. But all being well... In July, at the beginning of July, there will be a new Thompson arriving in the world. Is the world ready for another Thompson? (laughs) Yeah, a new member of Team Thompson will be arriving. Now, I don't know how this will affect the podcast, of course. Some of you might be kind of going... (laughs) I don't know what some of you might be going, oh, God, no. He's going to talk about babies all the time now. Ah. Or some of you are going to go. Oh no, a baby! He's just going to. That's the end of the podcast, then, isn't it? I think someone someone commented that last time. <laughs> no, not the end of the podcast, but it it will probably affect the podcast in some way, right? Because uh, when a baby is born, it's um, you know it, it requires a lot of attention, a lot of time, and and a lot of things have to be put on hold and stuff. So. Of course it's probably going to disrupt things podcast-wise to some extent as I will be busy at home with my wife looking after the baby, helping my wife with anything she needs, taking care of our daughter, trying to keep things shipshape and under control and generally just being at home focusing on the family. So I probably won't be able to do much podcasting around the time of the birth. Maybe the in the in the weeks before the due date and obviously the weeks after the due date. Who knows? Maybe I'll disappear completely for July and August. Or maybe I'll find a way to keep podcasting. We don't really know. It sort of depends, doesn't it? Maybe if I'm organised and I'm industrious enough, by the time the baby arrives, I will have recorded lots of episodes beforehand, maybe, which I will be able to publish over the summer. Or maybe I'll dig into my archives For some unpublished or lesser known material, which a lot of people haven't heard, you know, and I can just like republish that stuff, the sort of stuff that's only been heard by a few thousand people. I can kind of um, unearth that stuff and publish it again in the meantime. And I'm talking about things like app only episodes, episodes that were only available in the Luke's English podcast app, uh, which is now defunct, by the way. The LEP app is defunct, it's out of. Order it's not work well. You can still listen to stuff on it, but don't bother downloading it now. It'll probably go offline completely uh, in the in the summer. But you know, I'm going to salvage some of the app only content and I'm going to upload it. Probably, I mean, I haven't heard it for a long time. There's there's a there's a stupid um, made up story um, and some other things in there, which maybe I can publish that anyway. Well, where was I? Anyway in any case, there might be some kind of disruption to the show. Thank you for your understanding and for your patience and for your lovely messages of congratulations and support, which um, you are welcome to write to me and which some of you are already in the process of doing. (laughs) Right, of course. (sighs) Yeah, so thank you for that. Obviously, I've just said thank you for a thing you haven't even done yet. Which is kind of against the rules of politeness, isn't it? But anyway, there it is. We're very happy. We're hoping everything goes well. I'll probably talk about it a bit more in another episode later on. Um, So there you go. Now, let's get back down to earth here. Right, back down to earth, back feet on solid ground here, because this is a conversation with Anna from English Like a Native. Getting to know Anna a bit, and then talking about the English which we use with kids, about kids, and for all the bits and pieces involved in looking after kids. Okay. Uh, By the way, this conversation was recorded in January, which is why I say to Anna, it's January at the start. Okay. Okay just in case you were wondering. Now, I probably didn't need to say this bit, did I? You probably have the deductive skills to work out that when I say to Anna, it's January, it's because we recorded that bit in January. But just in case you were worried that I don't know what month it is, don't worry. I do know what month it is and what year it is and generally where I am and what's going on. Okay. I will speak to you again a little bit at the end of this um, recording, but now let's get started with the interview with Anna Tyree from English Like a Native. And here we go right now. Hello, Anna. Hello. 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 Why did I say it three times? I don't know, but I did. How are you today?
2: I'm very well. Thank you very much. How
1: How are you? How
2: are you? I should ask you back. How are you?
1: Yeah, not bad. Not bad. You know, it's January. So, you know, yeah. Uh, still you, recovering. Uh, F- yeah.
2: Sorry. Do you suffer with January blues?
1: Um, yeah, I suppose so. It's. I think it's. Um, yeah, it's more physical. You know, you just kind of. There's always a cold lingering in the background, mm-hmm. somewhere, always trying to recover from a cold that you got, or you don't know if it's the end of one cold or the beginning of another one.
2: Yeah. You just know. Constant
1: sniffles. Yeah, sort of like that. Yeah, so I can't wait for the sun to actually come back. Um, Whereabouts are you, by the way, Anna? Um,
2: Well, I'm in leafy Surrey, but uh, technically I'm within the M25. So you could say that I'm in London, Greater London. Although if anyone says, hey, I'm in London, come and meet me because this is where you live. I'm like, well, no, it's actually a a good like 40 minutes to an hour for me to get into central London. Um, But yeah, I'm Greater London on the outskirts of
1: Surrey. Okay.
2: So very cold.
1: Cold, Mm -hmm. yeah. Probably slightly colder than it is for me, being just a few degrees south of of where you are. Yeah, in old Paris. uh, In Paris, yeah, where it's grey. And um, everyone's on strike today, by the way.
2: Oh, fun.
1: Surprise, surprise. I mean, you know... That's not a rare occurrence, but everyone's on strike. So all the loads and loads of train, um, like uh, metro lines are all closed. uh, So it's impossible to go out. I was supposed to be teaching this morning at the British Council. That got cancelled. Everything just got cancelled. My daughter couldn't go to school. So it's just one of those. these, These things happen sometimes here. You'll just have a day where just everything. No, it's like, no, everyone just goes bad. No. (laughs) It's a aujourd'hui, and no one does anything. So it's wow. kind of one of those days.
2: Well, they're they're good yeah. for catching up with things. I think when you have those kind of enforced rest days, I think they're they're quite yeah. good for getting on on top of old old projects and things that need sorting out.
1: Yeah, like a little mini one day lockdown kind yeah. of situation. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, all right. Another question for you. Where Where are you from originally? Just out of interest.
2: Uh, So originally, I'm from the north of England, a long way north from here. Uh, I was born in a place called Southport, where they have a a really big beach and no sea.
1: (laughs) What? No How can you have a beach with no sea? Well,
2: there is sea, but you have to walk a very long way to see the sea. Um, It's kind of like a, I don't even, there must be a name for it, where there's like an inlet And it's still coastal, but it's when the tide goes out, it goes a long way out. Um, And you can see Liverpool across the water. So that's the kind of area that we're talking about, Uh, Liverpool and Blackpool along the coast. Um, And I was born there, but spent most of my youth in Manchester. So, yeah, I've always been kind of drawn to the cities. I went from Manchester to Birmingham to study at university and then ended up in in London studying my master's in London uh, and just kind of stayed down here. It's a little bit warmer and a little less wet.
1: <laughs> yeah, OK. <laughs> um, maybe some slight traces of that sort of northwestern accent yeah. as well that you have.
2: Yeah, slightly. Um, Where are you from in the UK?
1: So, I'm from both West London and the West Midlands, if if it's possible to be from two places at the same time.
2: Right, okay.
1: Like Schrodinger's cat. Um, That's a weird... (laughs) Why did I say that? I don't know. Schrodinger's cat is the thing where it's like, there's a cat in a box and um, physics students will know it's like the, somehow the cat both exists and doesn't exist inside this place at the same time. Right. So it's it's possible. It's like quantum physics that something can be in one place and yet not be in that place simultaneously. Yeah. Okay. So I'm simultaneously from West London and the West Midlands. But it's not like Schrodinger's cat because it's actually quite simple. So we, we lived in um, in London for the first 10 years of my life and then moved to the West Midlands for the next 10 years of my life. So Very nice. there you go. Very nice.
2: Yeah. I used to have a flat in uh um, I always have to do the never eat shredded wheat in West London. <laughs> you know oh, yeah. that?
1: I never eat yeah, shredded never wheat. Eat, never eat shredded wheat. Northeast, <laughs> southwest. southwest. North, yeah. north, east, southwest. Never eat shredded wheat. Mm-hmm. Shredded wheat being a breakfast cereal. Yeah, it's what we used to do as kids to try and remember our northeast, south, and yeah. west.
2: So I mm. used to have a flat in West London um, that was the front door was Brentford and the garden, the back garden was. South Ealing, which is obviously a little bit more posh, and so depending <laughs> on who I was talking to, when they'd say where where are you living, I'd be like, oh, I'm in South Ealing,
1: <laughs> but really it's Brentford.
2: Yeah,
1: we're just like where where, where do you live? I oh, just moved. Let me just move to the back of the house. I mean, I live in Ealing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I am from Ealing as well. Yeah, that's where we used to live. Um, nice. West Ealing. I don't know if right. that's even more posh, probably or less.
2: Well, I mean, it's west, isn't it? Moving out towards the Midlands, so.
1: Generally West in cities tends to be nicer.
2: Yeah, yeah, and East, east is east is usually more hip, isn't it?
1: And the more sort of industrial, slightly cheaper place, but often a bit more hip. Mm-hmm. And it's true in loads of cities that. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting thing.
2: Yeah, I need to do some research on that now.
1: Yeah. I mean there's I don't know if there's any truth to it, but there's one theory that prevailing winds would blow the smoke towards the east right and that would mean that that was the more polluted area of the city and so accommodation was cheap i don't know if that's true and so accommodation is cheaper but i mean the wind doesn't always blow in that direction does it I, I you know
2: no I, I guess it depends where you live as well as to whether you get more wind or less wind would you set yes. up a wind farm in that area probably not <laughs>
1: Or just make sure it's facing in that right that direction, you know, it doesn't matter where you put the wind farm, just make sure it's facing the right way. Anyway, this is a very strange yeah. and typically rambling beginning to this conversation, but I really need to try and get this thing, get this conversation under control. So, so Anna writes, mm-hmm. um, So we're going to talk today, actually, we do have a plan. The the plan is to talk about uh, children, raising children, the way we talk to children, the way we talk about children, the vocabulary relating to childcare and all that kind of thing. But before that let's let's continue having a little bit of a chat because we we have never met before this is the first time we've spoken to each other and i just thought i'd ask you about your youtube channel and your podcast which is probably what people know you for um and i expect you have instagram and tiktok and things yeah, too
2: yeah yeah boarded all of them as you do yeah i'll never touch mm-hmm. tiktok it's just for kids and then you're on tiktok <laughs> in a way
1: pulls you in doesn't it? <laughs> it
2: does it does um yeah so youtube is kind of like my my main focus um but i've wanted to do a podcast for a very long time um but my partner kind of said no no you can't do this you mustn't do this you mustn't do it because if you say yes to one thing you're saying no to something else you only have so much capacity um and you know you've got so many other plates spinning that adding a podcast is just going to be it's just going to be too much it'll be the the straw that breaks the camel's back and um so i held off for a long time i actually recorded like 5 episodes um and never did anything with them in fact i should probably use them <laughs> um yeah and and i intended to do it a long time ago but then kids came along and you know life gets even more chaotic so I didn't do it until I was invited on to a podcast with Lindsay from All Is English. And we had a lovely time. I, was like, I really enjoyed this. I really want to do it. And so I said to my partner, I don't care what you think. I'm just going to do it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I've just kind of st- I'm only like 14 episodes in. So really quite fresh to the podcasting scene.
1: Is the, is the podcast uh, that you do, is it different to the stuff you do on YouTube?
2: uh it is in a sense of its longer form it's much longer on youtube the average video tends to be around 8 to 12 minutes so it's a shorter more concise lesson um and it it's definitely moved into a kind of it's either listicle uh where you're revealing a list of vocabulary or interesting phrases or it's um like just like technical grammatical kind of teaching Uh, whereas the podcast on what I wanted it to be uh, what I hope it will be is focusing more on British lifestyle culture and just a little bit more talk ramble chatty style because I'm a bit of a perfectionist it 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 buckles me It, it makes life very difficult because I want everything to be perfect and so I don't get anything done it paralyzes me Um, And so the podcast is something where I can think I have something I'd like to talk about. There are a few points and then I can just in a very relaxed way, just talk. And often that will bring up, you know, some interesting things, hopefully. And then if anyone wants to listen to that, (laughs) then they can. So that's the idea with the podcast. It's supposed to be just more relaxed and talking a bit more about the culture and and British life and, and, and me and my experiences and things like that.
1: Yeah that's the great thing about uh, podcasting is that <clears throat> you can do that you can sort of relax a bit more and uh, um, yeah, just talk a bit more whereas youtube it's all very it's all about maintaining their attention for the shortest period of possible because people on youtube are constantly like ha ha i've got to look at something else immediately you know yeah. if that's just the nature of the platform isn't it that it's constantly it's saying look at this no no look at this yeah. you know uh, and whereas with podcasts, you know, you choose your episode, you put it on, put the phone in your pocket, you've got yes. the headphones on, and the phone's like, yeah, yeah, fine, just leave me alone for a bit, it's yeah. okay, and uh, and off you go. Yeah. So yeah, great, great, good idea, good idea to go into podcasting. Um, and uh, yes, okay, so your channel, your channel on YouTube, which I am sure that everyone knows about because um, it's uh, appears to be a big success uh the channel is called english like a native so what, what's the can you just talk about the title <laughs> yes. talk about the title has now we, we start laughing there because um well why uh, what's what's up with the title it's great it's uh, a great title yeah, I, but have you ever have you ever had any uh backlash sort of Backlash yeah. regarding the title.
2: Yeah, so I think students of English will not will be none the wiser. They'll just think, well, that's a, you know, it's a it's a good name. English like a native is, you know, people learning English probably want to sound like a native when they speak. So that's a good name. It's a good keyword. It's what I'd search for. Um, uh-huh. But then teachers in the industry and something that I didn't take into consideration um, sometimes would kind of furrow their brow and be like, hmm, I'm not sure about that. It's... Um, Some people would say that to to say doing something like a native is um, like discriminating. Um, If you're a teacher of English and you're not a native teacher, it might make them feel like they're not good enough and that you have to be a native to teach the language, which, of course, is not true. So why did I use that as my title? Well, it was perfectly innocent. Um, I came into teaching English online and... My initial ideas for titles just weren't available. It's very hard to get a good title, a brand name that's not already taken. Um, And so when brainstorming, I was thinking, well, what kind of lessons am I going to be delivering and aiming for? Now, I didn't come from an academic teaching background. Uh, I came from a performance background. I am qualified as a teacher, but as a singing teacher and um, as an accent coach, And so that was kind of like my thing. I was teaching elocution, pronunciation, I was teaching singing. I've I've got a lot of knowledge about voice, but not really about like grammar and everything. And so I was like, well, natives don't really know grammar or grammar rules, as as it were. So I want to teach English in the way that natives learn English. So in a more relaxed kind of acquiring of language rather than having to study rules and Um, being very precise. And the other thing was that native speakers, we make mistakes all the time. And in some cases, it becomes like an accepted part of a dialect that certain grammatical errors, like for example, um, what are you doing right now, Anna? As a Northerner, I could say, I'm sat here chatting to to Luke from Luke's English podcast, and I'll be sat here for a long time talking to Mm -hmm. him rather than saying i am sitting and that's perfectly normal for someone who's northern to say and it's accepted so if it's you know you've got this this argument between what's grammatically what's grammatically correct and what's actually language in use what are what are people actually saying um there's lots of words that are mispronounced lots of words that are misused and it's that's how the natives use the language and so that's the way I teach I try to teach and try to be like you know you don't have to be perfect you don't have to know the rules just just use kind of language that will help you get by and help you communicate what you need to say Um, So that was the idea and also to cover my back a little bit as well because when I first started I knew very little about English other than I could speak it Um, and so I was like Well, if I made this mistake, that people point out your mistakes, which is fine. And it's good because it helps me to learn to say, well, I'm just a native and this is how natives speak. So thanks for telling me that we're all learning together. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, just trying to say I'm I'm just a native teaching rather than a a technical teacher teaching. And I'm going to teach you in the way that natives learn and in a more relaxed way. So if you're looking for academic English, I'm not the person to follow. Uh, that was the idea behind it anyway very yes.
1: innocent. Sorry for putting you on the spot there but it's okay um, it's okay. It's like you know just these days that's a, that's just a big issue isn't it in um in English teaching the whole question of you know native speakers and all on and, and all the rest of it. But yeah of course like um in our first teaching experiences we, we always come across students who are always like I want a native speaker which is you know that's a whole other story for another time. But basically your um Yeah, so your approach, let's say, uh, it's also about how native speakers learn a language. And let's try and encourage uh, our adult learners to learn English in, the, in a similar process. And that actually is my way of neatly segueing into the subject of our, of our podcast today, right? So you're not suggesting that people learn English to the level of a native speaker, although there's nothing wrong with having that as a goal, or that native speakers are the only ones who can help people learn English effectively. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is learning a language in the same way that native speakers learn their own language. Uh, for example, how children learn languages. So you see, see what I did? So, <laughs> moved it into talking about children. Yeah, I've good. been doing this for 14 years. Yeah.
2: Anyway. Did you ever listen to Radio 1 with the, was it Radio 1 where they had the tenuous link? Was
1: it? I don't know. I don't, don't know. Did yeah. It, yeah. Who yeah. was that? Do you remember? Uh,
2: it was um, Moyles, Chris Moyles, Chris Moyles was the presenter, yeah. and they always had a section where they would talk about like a fascinating fact. Um, during a show, and it would always be something, you know, like the desertification of Spain or something, you know, weird and wonderful. Um, And then the next day they'd have a completely different topic, but they'd say, so yesterday we talked about this topic, and then they'd do a tenuous link, which was always a segment. The tenuous link was a segment where they would spend 60 seconds and it would have to fill that time moving from one topic into the completely unrelated topic by saying... The desertification of Spain is all about uh, deserts and deserts are made of sand and sand actually comes from, uh, can be made into glass and they just change and change and change (laughs) until eventually they got close (laughs) to the topic of the day. I always thought that was really good fun.
1: Nice phrase as well, a tenuous link. That's where you manage to link two completely unrelated things in a very sort of, um, in not a very clear way. There's a very sort of, um, sort of weak connection between the two things, yeah. but you make that connection anyway. Yeah. When I, when my first teaching job in Japan, there you go, bonus points, listeners. I said it again. Uh, I used to live in Japan. Everyone gets bonus points whenever I say that. Um, my first teaching job in japan um, the 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 we we had a sort of punishing teaching schedule and um, i would teach sort of 50 minute lessons back to back like kind of nine of them uh, back to back throughout wow. the day with about 10 minutes between and uh, you'd go in with your lesson which you you had to do you know the, the lesson which uh, had you know you just Chose in the last two minutes that you had. Um, And then you'd go in and naturally you'd start talking to them, like, Hi, how are you today? And then you, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I've got to to start that lesson though, because I can't just keep talking for 50 minutes. It'll dry up in 15 minutes. And then what am I going to (laughs) do? But if I start the lesson too late, then, um, you know, we won't finish it and that'll be awkward. So it's like, right, I need to do five minutes of of conversation just to start normally. And then I need to find a way to get into. The subject of this lesson that I've got in my hands. And there's always like a tenuous, the, the number of tenuous links I had to come up with. And we, you know, in the teacher's room, we'd have like a tenuous link competition to see who could come up with the most ridiculous, tenuous links from whatever the student had just talked about to, oh, that actually, you know, that brings us into the topic of the lesson. Didn't even, probably didn't even need to do it. Because you be like, okay, that's interesting. Anyway, let's talk about, you know, shopping. Uh, but in this case, uh children right so
2: oh yes <laughs> let's,
1: let's, yeah remember <laughs> we had a plan for this right so um talking about children then okay so first of all uh how many kids do you have you have kids right
2: mm-hmm. i have two young boys a 2 year old and a 4 year old
1: Okay, right. Wow. Bit of a handful, Mm -hmm. potentially.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Although we feel like, my partner and I, we feel like we're just hitting that stage where everything's suddenly becoming a little bit easier. Like we don't have to take the pram out with us most of the time. And when we go out, we don't have huge bags and loads of stuff. We just have one tiny bag that my eldest son doesn't mind carrying. So, you know, just drinks and a few nappies for my two-year-old and and we're sorted. Oh, and snacks, because they're always hungry. Um, yeah but other than that it's it's relatively easy now it's just the sleep sleep is still a bit of a nightmare but uh yeah yeah, they're really good fun
1: yeah the the goalposts keep shifting as they develop Mm -hmm. so yeah obviously at the beginning when they're babies uh that's a whole Specific sort of challenge of like making sure that, you know, when they cry, what is it? Is it that, you know, do they need a nappy change? Are they hungry? Do they miss their, you know, mummy? Do they need their little cuddly toy? Um, and it, yeah. And then as they learn to walk, then suddenly there's a whole other series of challenges where it's like, okay, remove every sharp corner in this place. Um, and you've kind of, yeah, you know, the tendency is that you end up following them around. Yeah.
2: Helicopter parenting. You become a yeah. helicopter mum or dad.
1: Yeah, where you're constantly hovering Hovering. over them. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, which we have to try and avoid. Okay, yeah, I've got one child. I've got uh, a daughter. She's five. Um, But um, we're probably, well, we're going to talk about um, um, babies and uh, toddlers and just young children um, and so there'll be sort of references to all those different stages, those generally different stages, including a lot of stuff about babies and things, which actually is, uh, yeah, so for f- it's been about four years, I guess, that we, in my flat, haven't been dealing with the baby stuff, but it's coming back because, <gasps> bombshell, yeah, my wife is pregnant.
2: Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, I haven't said that.
1: That's the fir- I think it's the first time I've said it on the podcast, unless I release an episode before this in which I mention that as well. But yeah, so well, yeah, we're going to have another one in, in July. Very so,
2: exciting.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all this is going to be relevant again. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so you've got two boys, two mm-hmm. years old, four years old. I've got a, a five-year-old uh, daughter. Um, let's talk about talking to children, the way we talk to our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. what, what are some of the most common things you say to your boys?
2: Be careful, <laughs> be careful. Although that is one of the phrases that I'm really trying hard not to say, uh, because I think if you say it too often, you, it just becomes just a noise to them. They they don't pay any attention. So I'm trying to be a little bit more specific with my be careful instruction. So for example, we, we just bought them bunk beds, which they're very young for bunk beds. Um, but I trust my eldest, my four year old, to be on the top bunk. Um, the problem is my two-year-old, who is very confident, likes to go up and down the steps, and they're quite big steps. And he he thought it was fun to start jumping off the steps. So he jumps off the bottom step, and then he goes up to the second step and goes, big jump, big jump. Um, so I, I have to remind him that's not appropriate, and he might get hurt. Um, but when he's coming down those steps, rather than saying, be careful, be careful, I'll say, look at your feet, hold on tight. So I'm just trying to be very um clear about how to be careful rather than just say be careful um, i'm saying
1: that i say that all the time it's kind of one of the a family joke that my mum says has said that obviously thousands of times and she always used to say that to us as kids but she used to say careful oh, right. which is careful is two <laughs> syllables but she squeezed it into one syllable careful right you know um And so I actually find myself saying that too. I'm saying and doing all the things that my parents and my grandparents would do. So my grandmother, I said this on the podcast recently, I think, my grandmother was famous in our family for going, (laughs) if you were going to pick something up or touch something you weren't supposed to, she would go and make these ridiculous noises. I do exactly the same thing. It just comes out. Um, And careful. And, uh, you know, don't go mad. That's another thing that my mum always used to say. So, yeah, be careful. Um, But, yeah, we have to try to... We have to try to be careful about the way we talk to them as well because you can kind of sort of subconsciously suggest certain things with our comments, can't we? Mm -hmm. Um, We don't want them to become overly nervous, right? So, so for example, if it's like... um, if they're doing something that's a bit dangerous we want to say you know watch out you're going to fall but if you if you say that that suggests to them that every time they do something like that that they will fall um whereas you know we have to try and re uh sort of reword these things don't we, yeah, like, we it's don't- difficult for me
2: we don't want to break them. Mm. We don't want to mess them mess them up before they they hit adolescence and and go through all that crazy stuff. Uh, I know what you mean. It, it's like if you say stuff like, "Are um, oh, we shy? Are you shy? Are you shy?" Then you're almost you you're giving them words. You're labeling them, and they'll say, "Oh, I'm I'm shy. I'm quite shy." Rather than saying, "I don't know how would you say instead? You're not ready to talk to me today. You don't know who I am. That's okay. Well, when you're ready to talk to me, I'm here." Uh, one thing that we were very careful with was how we discipline the children, um, and, and specifically trying not to label them. So when they're going through their emotional and mental development, they have tantrums and rather than labeling them as being naughty, or you're being very naughty today, you're such a naughty boy. What? Why did you do that? Um, I'll say to I'll say to Jacob not that he has difficult times very often but if he is having a hard time I'll say I'll say that I'll say, you you haven't you're struggling today aren't you you're having a hard time today or I'll just get down on his level and say what's wrong if he's refusing to do something and he's just being difficult I'll say what what's the matter you tell me um, and often that would result in him just giving me a hug or saying I I don't want to put my clothes on because I want to eat my breakfast first Or I really want to put my robe on. You've got your robe on. I want my robe on. Oh, well, of of course you can wear your robe. Okay. If you don't want to get dressed now, you want to put your robe on and be in your pajamas. That's fine. Um, And I found that's been really, really useful to kind of move away from those just, oh, you're just being naughty labels to just asking them what's wrong or saying um, you're feeling very frustrated now and that's okay. But hitting your brother, that's not okay. So Mm -hmm. when you feel frustrated, you can come and talk to me. You can have a cry. You can do whatever you need to do, but you can't hit anybody. And so, just trying to treat them like they're like you would an adult, but in a in an understanding way that they've got no experience, rather than just yeah. saying you're a naughty child. And I'm not going to help you deal with this stuff. I'm just going to label you and give you some time mm. out. We used to do Good. time in. We do time in with them. So time out is something that um, is a discipline technique where you. I'm explaining to your listeners now, Luke.
1: this is good. no I, i'm 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 loving this. This is great. um,
2: timeout is when you um when your child has been uh, naughty or behaved in a way that you don't like, you tell them they have to have timeout and you put them somewhere, usually in another room or out of sight for them to sit and just have be quiet until they think about what they've done and come back and apologise
1: sometimes known as the naughty step but you've chosen not to call it the naughty step yeah yeah. so we have time out
2: yeah so it could be time out it could be time out on the couch or in the corner of the room or in the hallway or like you said you could have a naughty step which is usually the bottom stair or something like that Um, Mm. we don't do time out we do time in so we have some time in where we'll take them away from the situation and put them down somewhere but stay in eyesight so they can see us say, look, you're very upset right now. Your behavior is not acceptable. So I'm going to stay here. And when you're ready to talk to me, or if you want a hug, I'm here. And it's surprising how well that works. And my, my eldest, and my four-year-old, so many times when we've done that will be like, no, I don't want a hug. Go away. I hate you or whatever. And then mm. a few moments later, and I'll just sit there quietly and say, well, I'm here when you want me. I'm here when you're ready to apologize. You can come and talk to me. Or if you're ready for a hug. And always within a few minutes, he'll be like, oh, I'm ready for a hug now.
0: <laughs> and he just
2: changes. And I think he he is now an extremely confident child. He talks to everyone. My child minder says all the time, she's so, so proud of how he behaves when he, she takes him out. He talks to everyone, everyone loves him very confident, very polite. And I honestly think it's because we are just so, I don't know, generous with our attention for him. We, you know, sit and talk him through situations, talk him through how he's feeling um, rather than just excluding him and telling him he's naughty because he's a very sensitive child. He has a lot of emotions and I think it's important that you give him a, you explain that emotions are okay rather than labeling them. Sorry, this is a tangent again, isn't it? No, this
1: is great. You give them the tools uh, that they need to be able to describe their feelings. Mm -hmm. because uh, But this does require a lot of patience and sort of wisdom from the parents to be able to do this because it can be very hard. Mm. Obviously, as parents, we lose our temper and we lose patience, especially when we're trying to get things done or when the child is apparently just not listening. And the, the, what can happen is you end up just going, you know, just stop. You just basically want them to stop what it mm-hmm. is they're doing. And you just kind of want to turn them off, yeah. as it were. You know, just just stop. Just just. Ugh, just go sit there and wait there because I'm doing, I'm cooking, you know, and, yeah. um, but then you're just a raged an angry rage man <laughs> in front of them and yeah. they don't understand that and they, they, they probably they're misbehaving or something because they, can't communicate how they're feeling because they, mm-hmm. they don't know how to do it yet because they're yeah. only small. So, yeah, if you say, oh, you know, are you struggling? What is it that's what, what's the matter? What did you just talk to me or go and sit there until you're ready to talk to me? You know, those sorts of things. Yeah, maybe you're equipping them with a a sort of language that they can then use to express themselves and... I, I, I mean, I, neither of us are child psychologists. No. Of course. We're, we're sort of armchair child psychologists, yeah. <laughs> but we do speak from experience of having kids yeah. and 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 uh, you know doing these sorts of things. Uh, but yeah, it sounds great. It sounds like you're having a you've got a sort of really good approach. Yeah, to Yeah, it, it
2: works for us. I mean, I, we have a lot of children that come around to our house that aren't ours. That our childminder will have multiple children at once, and so I get to experience. Seeing lots of different children, how they behave and interact, and every child is different. And you know, I've taught lots of young children as well. Although I think it's different when they're in a home environment. Um, but what works for one child won't work for another, and it's the same even between my two children. What worked well for Jacob won't doesn't really work well for Caspian. So. Um, you know, it, you've got to find a strategy that works well for you and for your kids. And what you said about as adults, sometimes we lose it. We're trying to equip our children to cope with their emotions, but we can mm. lose it as well. What I try to do is, when I do lose it, because it does happen, we're just humans. Um, is then once I've calmed down, is I'll say to the kids, I'll be like, "You saw, mommy got really angry there. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry." I, I should, I should control myself better, but sometimes I just feel tired and I feel a bit overwhelmed and, and, and it wasn't a great way for me to deal with that. So I'm sorry. And so, you know, I try and show them that it, I have the emotions too, and it's okay. And this is how I'm now dealing with the fallout. Like I'm not just ignoring it and saying I can do it and you can't, I'm saying I did it and it was wrong. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this there's is- no, no right way or wrong way to do it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, of course. No right way. No right way. Right, well, there, you know, there are certain wrong ways, uh, but. Um What's, what's coming into my mind right now is thinking about my audience all around the world and thinking, I bet that, that there's people with totally different approaches and that culture is a huge issue here. Mm. And, and I wonder if, you know, people in different parts of the world have totally different uh, ways of thinking about this and so on. But, you know, people can leave their comments in the comments section, can't they, if they have, uh, you know, things that they would like to say in response to what we're saying.
0: And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Has the way that you speak to your children changed as they've grown up? Obviously, your oldest is four, Uh but that's, you know, there are are Uh stages in that. Four years of development, yeah. How, you know, I mean, even in a simple way, have have you changed the way you communicate with them?
2: Yeah, definitely. So when they were tiny, tiny babies and they give you nothing, they're just, you know, whoa, barely even looking at you, then you, you know, your whole tone, you've got that parentese kind of way of talking haven't you which is all about the the intonation the pitch you tend to go a bit higher pitched you're like oh hello hi and you you really modulate you you have these big sweeping um tone changes and everything's much higher pitched and you really draw out your Well, you emphasize everything don't you? you really draw out your um vowel sounds uh and you it's all very simple and it tends to be kind of Just, I I would always tell them what they're doing. I'd kind of uh, narrate what they're doing. Oh, are you looking at me? Oh, oh, you just threw up. Oh, oh dear. (laughs) You know, oh, you were sick on mummy, lovely. Thank you, darling.
1: Um, (laughs) Oh, you've pooed your pants again. (laughs) Uh, You had a uh, poo-poo. You you want me to clean it up, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, just narrating. (laughs) And so you do that, obviously, when they're young and they're not really giving you anything back. But then when they start talking, I guess I, I would repeat them a lot and try to clarify what they're saying. And I'm just moving out of that stage with Caspian, my two-year-old. Uh, his speaking is really becoming dynamic now. It's it's really interesting. Uh, literally, he will go to bed and the next morning he can like extend his sentences by a couple of words, and it's just fascinating to see that language development. But before this, I, I would say that most of the time whenever he spoke – I would repeat exactly what he just said to clarify what he said. And also, I guess we do it naturally to help them improve their pronunciation and make their sentences more complex. So he might say to me, mummy, mummy, deuce, deuce, meaning I want some juice. So I'd say, oh, you want juice? You want juice? And you say, yeah, deuce. I say, oh, yeah, mummy juice, please. And so then I'd add something on. So I'd say it exactly the way he'd said it, mummy juice, and then add please because I want them to be polite. Um, and then I don't know where the switch came, but I think about the way I talked to Jacob, my four year old, and he, I pretty much talked to him in the way I would talk to any adult. It's very natural. And I don't know where that I think maybe because he's now communicating with me fully. But I, I guess the only adjustment I do make is that I um ding dong. I've turned my Alexa down, but you might still Was Some, that, someone's, at uh, someone's at the door. Alexa someone's
1: at the door. Alexa tells it. you that someone's at the door. <laughs> yeah, Well yeah. you live in a futuristic house.
2: <laughs> uh, she um because we're my studio's in the garden. So oh. if anyone's at the door delivering parcels it tells me someone's at your door. Uh, Do
1: you need so, to go and get that? No, no, no. get no, the door?
2: No, no, no. Um, okay. So what we say? Oh, yes. So I, the only change I make for Jacob when I speak to him is that I will use less advanced words. I wouldn't use words that I know he's got no idea what they mean. It wouldn't help. So I guess I slightly simplify my language. But otherwise, normal tone, normal pace just chat to him and sometimes he doesn't understand but he'll ask me say "Mummy, what does that mean Um, yeah yeah it's it's, it's, great
1: fun it's also interesting to watch the way that kids will work it out from context Mm -hmm. so you can you can you know i can we can say things to our kids um and knowing that they won't understand what you're talking about um for example oh, i went to and then just name a place you know so you're telling them a story so i was you know i was on the way to i don't know what's a a good place. I was on the way to Ealing Broadway, and um, you know, and and I missed the bus. And they're not going to know what Ealing Broadway is, but they kind of don't need to know. They just need to know, you know, lots of little things like that. They slowly work stuff out from mm-hmm. context. Um, and uh, but also, yeah. So for 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 me, my daughter, as I said, is five now, and what's really fun is playing with language with her. And that's really good. Like she came home from school the other day singing a song, which was "I like to eat, eat, eat yogurt and banana." I think she, I think she heard it at school. Yeah, or I something. know this. I know this know song. one.
2: I know this one. Yeah.
1: And the and the fun thing about it is that you change the vowel sounds in the words. So it's it, "I like to eat, eat, eat yogurt and banana," and then you say "I like to oot, oot, oot yogurt and <laughs> and then. A different sound every time, and she absolutely loves that. Yeah. Messing around with language, which is really interesting, the way that through play, kids learn how language works and they kind of learn what the they can... Yeah, I mean, play is obviously how they develop. You know, mm-hmm. they're just messing around, and yeah. by doing that, they learn the limitations and the what you can do, and 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 uh, when language stops being functional and starts being ridiculous and funny, and how you make things funny. That's a really good fun thing to do at the, at the moment, and um, really sort of enjoy reading her certain books especially ones by michael rosen do you know michael rosen
2: yeah yeah he's the uh, the language guy right the
1: well yeah he does a he does a show on radio four about words uh but he also um has written lots and lots of poetry and stories for kids so he mm-hmm. did that book uh, we're all going on a bear hunt
2: yes that's yes yes that's a great that's one.
1: him and lots of others as well, um, like loads and loads of them, and lots of very funny poems. He's actually, he's actually apparently really well-known in China because he's a meme in China. Really? There's, yeah, he videoed himself reading some of his poetry, and one of them is, is like a funny story about having dinner with his family. And the story goes basically, so we sat down for dinner, and I got a big fork of potato, and I blew on it, and I popped it in my mouth nice and the moment when he goes nice like that and he does this face that little uh gif jiff, whatever you want that that has become a meme in lots of places around the world of just him kind of eating something and going nice brilliant like that and um so anyway him but his poems are so great because they're really full of nonsense like some of them are really ridiculous and it's really good fun to just uh realize that oh yeah you can just push all the boundaries and say all sorts of stupid things yeah and they love it and and um you don't have to be restricted by the rules of reality at all (laughs) no
2: no well it's like uh, Roald Dahl you know Roald Dahl writes so so, so, such expressive material for children and I think I think that David Williams is quite similar in style as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I, Jacob loves playing with words and he he has a real talent for making up words as well. It's making up names of things. And, but it starts to become a little bit of an argument in our house because he'll be like, uh, I don't know, we'll pick something up and say, uh, a lipstick. Uh, Mummy, I found this. I'm like, all right, OK, yeah, that's my lipstick. He goes, no, this is a, a kunkampa. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a kunkampa, is it? Yeah, it's a kunkampa. And at first we'd go along with it. And, and then you say, no, darling, it's it's a lipstick. No it's not it's a cucumber. Like, all right oh, okay if you say so.
1: <laughs> yeah there's that whole thing of like everything becomes a negotiation we are like no, no it's but really it's not a cucumber it's, it's it's a lipstick we are like yeah. no it's not it's a cucumber. Yeah. And you're like okay well and then you yeah you end up in a sort of a negotiation over the name of this thing. It's like why are we, why are we negotiating this? Yeah. Go out into the world go on <laughs> just go and ask for a cucumber yeah. in a shop and they'll give you a cucumber for goodness sake. Yeah. Anyway um <laughs> he, likes, yeah, telling, he got... likes telling
2: jokes sorry um yeah. he loves yeah. telling jokes but the only uh he's got a couple of jokes and the one that he loves to tell but doesn't pronounce the word europe properly um is knock knock
1: who's there
2: europe
1: europe poo.
2: no europe poo. <laughs> obviously kids that age love poo jokes um That's... but he does that to people but he says you're you're up you're up <laughs> and they go right. you're rap who so they don't quite get it but um yeah he loves he loves playing on th- things like that and anything to do with with poo it just makes him giggle mm-hmm. there's a there's a well. story called Hippo- hippopotamus um, a storybook you should try and get it if you can um okay. and and that's absolutely brilliant it's really great i, I love stories where it it really goes with a rhythm and it's it's definitely one of those, it's all about a, a hippo who's eaten all the beans this week and he makes the bubbles in the bubbling creek. Uh, and yeah, it's like it plays on sounds and, and uh, like rhythm a lot. It's really fun.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And it's all, it's about farting. So yes. the kids are like <laughs> yes. working out. Like, oh, wait a minute, the kids, are, there's a, probably a moment where the kids are like, oh, this is about farting, isn't yeah. it? Oh, I love this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. that becomes the rhythm of this huge jungle musical that, that everyone gets involved with, uh, and it's all it's all the bottom of uh, of the hippo.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> No, no, I'm just trying to move on to the next. I'm looking at my Google document here. So how can you tenuous on.
2: link a farting hippo to the next
1: piece? <laughs> no, I'm not going to even bother with a tenuous link. That's fine. I don't, uh, I'm don't. i happy to just like, yeah, and a farting hippo. Okay, so um, <laughs> um, I was looking at, so in my Google document, I've got a list of um, some of the things that come up little things about baby talk. So you talked about, yeah, you talked about parentese and baby talk. And that's just like, oh, who's a cutie pie? Who's a, You know, that sort of uh, high intonation pattern, and lots of um, repetition and stuff. But um, so I'm just thinking about some of my listeners who might be out there thinking about raising their own kids uh, mm-hmm. to be bilingual and to speak English, right? And they might think, they might decide to start speaking English at home with the children, but then they might not actually have some of the standard sort of parentese that we have in English. Let's say it's someone who speaks Spanish as a first language. They'll in Spanish they will do certain things with words to make them babyish or to make them for kids. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like um, often adding certain endings to words, like "ita" at the end. Right. Um, it's like a sort of diminutive form of a word in Spanish, um, and but how do we do this in English? So, can you think of some examples? I've got a list of examples here. Just um, if yeah. I start reading from them, we, that might sort of. Well, bring you've got
2: you've got the the, hmm. the basic one, which is mummy and daddy. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you're older, mummy and daddy is very babyish because it'd be mum and dad is kind of your just general way of talking about your mother and father. But for young children and babies, it's mummy, daddy, or even further back than that, mama and dada. Oh, where's dada? Where's dada? Is that dada?
0: Dada's home.
2: Oh, mama. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, so Jacob, mama, dada, Jacob and plays mommy, with daddy. saying
2: mum now, and I'm like, don't you dare. I am mummy. <laughs> I am mummy until you're sixteen.
1: <laughs> unless, unless, of course, the, the kids are really posh, in which case they will call you mummy for the rest of their lives. Yes, yes, that's brilliant. Oh, mummy, mummy, I, I lost the keys to my Range Rover.
2: It's funny, isn't it? Why do they do that?
1: They're just weird, aren't they? Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, I don't, <laughs> posh, super posh people.
2: Yeah, maybe they have the luxury of staying childlike for longer.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You yeah, know, the privilege of being able to continue to, I don't know what it is. Anyway, um, but uh, can yeah, of worms. So yeah, I don't want to open a can of worms about the class and uh, uh, posh people and yeah. normal, whatever. So uh, cutie pie. So adding pie on the end of things.
2: Yeah. Sweetie pie, cutie pie.
1: Sweetie. Hello, sweetie pie. Hello, cutie pie. Um, and
2: That's always cheeky- for names, isn't it? like terms of endearment.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I'd call I call my daughter cutie pie and sweetie pie. I don't know why pie. She's not a pie. I think it's, a, it's a about making
2: them edible, like sweet edible. Like you're you're so cute I could eat you. Which <laughs> is a bit weird. Yeah. But <laughs> It
1: is a bit weird. The parents do want to there is that there is that is a recognizable uh acknowledged phenomenon. That we just that want parents, to eat our kids. <laughs> we want to eat our children. Oh you're so cute I could eat you.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I um, yeah, I do I do kiss my children a lot. They yeah. just they just smell so good. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh,
1: what else? Uh, ch- uh, cheeky monkey is common. Yeah. Sort of thing that I call my daughter a cheeky monkey. Yeah. What about going to the toilet? What do we use to? How do we describe the different things that kids do? And uh, I'm talking about the two main ones. Oh,
2: number ones and number twos. Uh, we we say wee wee's and poo poo's
1: wee wee and poo poo yeah
2: you yeah. need a poo poo you done a poo poo you, go, mommy, poo poo. you done a poo yeah. poo you want a poo poo what's going on
1: <laughs> yeah that's right um uh, dog becomes doggy cat is is a kitty uh what do you call pajamas
2: i tend to say pj's um pj's But i guess you're thinking gym jams or jammies
1: gym jams yeah pj's gym jams uh uh how do we say it's bedtime uh
2: time for beddy bows
1: beddy bows beddy buys
2: Betty buys
1: yeah that's right um you to an adult you would say good night good night mm-hmm, but perfect. what do we say to what do we say to children
2: uh night night or nighty night
1: one yeah. Ninety
2: night. nights. Oh, yeah. it's very cute. My my little one, he still has a dummy at bedtime. So he puts his dummy and I'll say, say goodnight to Jacob. <laughs> night, night, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's
1: very sweet. So cute. Um uh sleepy time as well. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. kids like to have a blanket.
2: Mine mine don't. <laughs>
1: No, but they kick no. the blanket off.
2: Yeah, they're very much. And also my, so my eldest, he, both of them were breastfed children um, for quite a long time. And um, my, my eldest, once we kind of moved away from breastfeeding, still liked to twiddle the nipples. Yes, very oh. uncomfortable. Uh, mm. And it, it went on, I put up with it for a little while and then I thought this is just, this is not. It's just not going to happen for much longer. So, how can I how can I wean him off me? Um, (laughs) And so I thought, well, we need. So I used to give him a second dummy sometimes because that's kind of nipple like, isn't it? The teat of a dummy it's a little bit like a nipple that's the point that's why they they have them in their mouth and he would he would twiddle or twizzle which word do you use I say twiddle but twizzle is probably better twiddle
1: or twizzle yeah either of those things kind of like play with play with it between his fingers
2: yeah so he would twiddle the second dummy but then he would lose it and when you've got two to try and find in the dark what a nightmare so Um, then I saw that you can get these like teddy bears or little like teddy monkeys or teddy uh, elephants that are actually then attached to a dummy-like thing. Uh, So it has this own little nipple thing and it's specifically for finding it in the night because all you have to do is find the teddy and it's got this dummy thing on the end. And Uh, Jacob had a monkey. And so it's like, you've got your dummy, you've got your monkey, and he'd twizzle that and he'd go to sleep. Caspian is exactly the same with his desire to be with me um but he refuses to have anything else so i tried to give him a blanket which you'd call a blankie with a little one blankie, a blankie um, or yeah. a comfort blanket or a comforter um but he he refused to have that and then i tried to give him like a monkey with a dummy on the end didn't want that um and he any teddy you give him he looks at it for a second, then he absolutely launches it across the room. So he just throws it as far as, away as he can. He's like, no, I want mummy. <laughs> so it's yeah. still a battle at the moment.
1: I like the way he looks at it for a few seconds. Like that's how long it takes for him to work out that this isn't you.
2: Yeah. Well, just, just you know, what is this thing that you've given me? How dare you? A look yeah. of disgust. Uh-huh.
1: No, I want you. Mm-hmm. Hello, mm-hmm. yeah. And searching for the for the dummy in the middle of the night is um, quite something. Yeah, because uh, the the child wakes up and you work out what is it. Uh, then what does they need? Oh, they've dropped the dummy. Yeah, and then and somehow those dummies become invisible when they fall on the floor. Yeah, I don't know how they do that. They just they're, they'll they'll fall and roll just behind the leg of the bed, where you know you can search for it for twenty minutes and still not find it. And you know it's. it's yeah. That's
2: Do you fun. know, you can get glow-in-the-dark ones. That's what we ah. discovered with our second child. Glow-in-the-dark dummies. Absolute lifesaver for those middle-of-the-night scrambles to find <laughs> the dummy. It's like, just look for the light, look for the light. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's good. Dummy vision. Yeah. Poof, engaged. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, but if, dinner? if yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I was gonna say I was gonna help you. segue, mm. Um if the dummy falls on the floor, I'd say to my my child, um I go to put it back in his mouth, say, no no, icky, that's icky, it's been on the floor, it's dusty, yuck or yucky. Icky.
1: Mm. Icky or yucky, meaning sort of dirty and, yeah. and disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um what about dinner?
2: Din. What do we call
1: Dindins. Yeah,
2: yeah. time for din dins. Come and sit down for your
1: dindins um yeah what about when a when a child falls over they don't hurt themselves they don't cry but they they fall over what do we say
2: oopsie daisy oh dear oopsie daisy (laughs) such a funny phrase isn't it
1: oopsie daisy yeah
2: yeah i've got a funny story with that actually um i jacob must Jake must have been two. So I'd been a parent for two years and Caspian had just been born. I was walking him uh, along the path and I saw a grown man across the street slip and fall onto his bum. And I shouted, whoopsie daisy, (laughs) to this complete stranger who was a grown man and then felt completely embarrassed that I just shouted a really babyish term to some strange guy.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because when you're in the house with the kids all the time, you just that that just becomes the normal mode yeah. doesn't it and then you go outside into the real world and you see a grown man fall over whoopsie daisy yeah. oh god
2: <laughs> did you get a boo-boo? <laughs> a boo-boo
1: a boo-boo meaning like a little a, little a bruise or
2: oh we say ouchie actually for if you've hurt yourself oh you got an ouchie so if my son has a bruise or a scratch or if he's got a toothache anything that's pain related I'd say, do you have an ouchie, an ouchie? Because I think boo-boo, although I hear it more in this country, but I feel like that's more American in general. And then uh-huh. I feel like it's become more popular over here because of, you know, some kids' content on YouTube can be huge. These, these songs and kids' videos can have millions and millions of views. And there's a, a very popular song about having a boo-boo to get a boo-boo. Oh, yeah. Um, And so I feel like that's become more popular over here. I might be wrong. I'm not sure of the origin of boo-boo. No, you're
1: probably right. I'd say you're probably right. In France, so obviously I'm bringing up my daughter in France Mm -hmm. to be bilingual and stuff, but we speak English in the home. But nevertheless, like a lot of the standard French words for things do come in. And so they've got... So, big things, big words in France that everyone always uses with their kids. So, there's dodo, which is nap nap time. Okay. Sleepy time. Uh, And there's bobo, that is um, an ouchie.
2: Oh, right. Okay.
1: Oh, did you get a bobo? And so, you know, I end up saying, oh, you had a bobo. It's all right. It's time for dodo, you know. And um, what are some of the other ones? Uh, Gouté.
2: What's a goûte?
1: Sounds very sophisticated, a especially goutier. when you It's like it. something you'd G- wear.
2: Uh, I'm wearing Goutte today.
1: And Goutte, and <laughs> Bon uh, That's snack, snack time. Ah, nice. Yeah, which is uh, an institution here. It happens at four o'clock. <laughs> at four o'clock. Wow. Um, Central European time. All French children are stuffing some kind of cake or biscuit into their mouths. That's
2: quite late. For snack
1: time, mm, isn't it? Yes, you know it's the continent, isn't it? They do oh, everything late. Oh, relaxed,
2: great. relaxed. Yeah, because we're S- yeah. having dinner at four thirty.
1: Seriously, yeah, dinner, yeah,
2: Dindins. Really? Not, we have din at four thirty. You know, well, so I see. That's strange that you say that because surely northern northern is breakfast, dinner is the lunch, and then tea mm. tea time. Right, is the after, right. is the late meal in the day. So breakfast, dinner, and tea—that's me as a northern. I say, yeah, breakfast, dinner, and tea.
0: Yeah.
2: But down here in the south, it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
1: Yeah. When I was growing up, I mean, it's again because my parents. So my parents are originally from Yorkshire, and oh, I then see. have lived in the Midlands and lived in London. So we've kind of we're from all over the place, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so maybe a lot of stuff came in from their parents. So we always call dinner tea. Right. But it was, but lunch would be lunch.
2: Right. So right. when was, so you didn't have any dinner? No well,
1: dinner. But then there is a thing called dinner, which we now, as all, as we're all adults, you know, more or less, we have dinner. Oh, like a um, posh dinner. We, so uh, so dinner, dinner is posh. More, <laughs> dinner sounds more posh, do you think? Well,
2: if your vocabulary is breakfast, lunch and tea, but dinner is only when you're out with friends and having a an organised meal.
1: Then... Yeah, you wouldn't go out to a restaurant to have tea, you know. And by the way, anyone wondering, tea doesn't mean a cup of tea. You're not no. like giving your child a cup of... There you go. There's your cup of tea. Do you want some sugar? No. Um, tea means means a meal. It's food, mm-hmm. of course, but we just call it tea. It's not afternoon tea. Yeah. It's not Downton Abbey, you know, um, uh, a nice tea set. Cup and um, saucer. Yeah, cups and saucers. No, that's afternoon tea. Which not many people do. Anyway, um, so tea meaning dinner. Yeah, so we would have our tea at like, I don't know, what, 5.30 or 6 o'clock or something. And, you know, my mum would cook it up and then we'd uh, probably uh, watch a bit of telly and then get in our pyjamas, our gym jams, and then off to bed. Betty Betty bows. Yeah, Betty Betty Bo's time. Betty (laughs) Bo's. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but dinner dinner is yeah. I suppose it's sort of like a bit a slightly later sort of thing the adults would have. Um, yes, but yeah, uh, interesting that in in different parts of the country in 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 England in the north it's breakfast dinner and tea, yeah. uh, and in the south breakfast lunch and dinner.
2: Yeah, yeah well you still have at school you still have dinner ladies, which I always argue. So if you don't have dinner in the middle of the day, then why do we have dinner ladies at school serving dinner, serving lunch? So it's uh...
1: nothing makes sense. It doesn't add up. English. Which imagine what it's like if you if you come to England from another place and it's like wait a minute wait. So it's it's you call it lunch, but these women who are serving me lunch, they're called dinner ladies. What? So what do they do at dinner time? Do they serve lunch? What's going on in this country? At
2: dinner time, and the tea ladies. Maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah,
1: know. yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we're going to end this with a with a with a little quiz, oh. sort of a quiz thing. This is where I will describe a thing. So this is common words and phrases related to babies, children, and childcare. Okay. We just had like little sort of babyish sounding words, like baby talk, parentese kind of stuff. Uh, but now some just some words like things that we deal with things that we have to buy and use when our kids are growing from babies into children right mm-hmm. so um i'm going to define it you have to try and tell me what it is listeners have you got any idea what the what the words could be so the first thing and this is in this is in no particular order let's say okay so the first thing is um so you got a baby and sometimes you'll put the baby uh, let the baby lie down on the floor on a on a mat or something and they they stare up and above them you put a thing and from this thing uh, little toys are hanging down on bits of string and the child the baby sort of reaches up to play with these things and play with these toys and it helps with their motor skills and stuff what what would you call one of those things any idea
2: a mobile
1: oh a mobile oh you call oh. it a mobile
2: do you call it something different
1: well, I was thinking, so a mobile, yeah, that's, for me, that's a thing you hang from the ceiling and it hangs down. And um, kids like to look up at mobiles, helps to develop their eyesight and stuff. And, but they, I was thinking, and
2: they turn and they, um, they make music and things.
1: Yeah, they can turn and make music. Yeah, so that's a mobile. It's more of a decoration. But these are the, th- I'm talking about something <gasps> oh, that the kids actually yes. grab and they, yes. and they try and grab them and hit them and, and pull them and stuff. As you
2: said, they were lay down on a mat on the floor. Not, yeah. I'm thinking a mobile is usually in a cot, isn't it?
1: Above a cot Hanging to try above and get them cot. to
2: sleep and relax in their cot. Uh, okay, right. so I know what you're thinking about now. Uh, oh, I'm not quite sure if I know the name of it. Is it called like a PlayStation? It's <laughs> not, <like a, laughs> not like a computer game.
1: <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah, just give them a PlayStation. There you go, PlayStation 4. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 5. Go for it. Um, now, I was... So uh, an arch, like an activity Uh, arch or a baby arch or an arch toy. So an arch, just a thing that kind of goes over. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this is interesting. And this is uh, coming back to the very beginning where you were were talking to me about the name of my brand, English Like a Native. As a native, I know what these things are. I've used them, but I wouldn't have known the name for it. So if you said to me, Anna, do you have a baby arch? I'm like, uh, what what's that? You are. <laughs> what is it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And you'd to have be to honest, explain when, I was, it. when I was making my, this list, I was sitting next to my wife, going, "I just need words for this quiz, right? So sort of stuff we use with kids." And I said, "What, what, what do we call that thing? You know, where the, the all uh, you you." Put the baby on the floor, and you put the thing down, and it sort of goes over the baby, and then there are things hanging down. What do we call that? And she was like, oh, "I don't know." And um, so I googled it and looked on various sort of uh, websites, and and they were all like, "You know, buy this new baby arch." I was like, "Oh, I must call it a baby arch then." But it seems that no one really seems to know what that is. Anyway, so a baby arch, but arch is quite yeah, a useful word, it isn't it? Is. I suppose. Yeah,
2: you can stand in the archway. Uh, you can have an arch in your garden where you grow um, climbers, climbing plants that grow yeah, all like around roses. the arch. Yeah.
1: Roses might grow over an arch if you have an arch over the doorway or something yeah. like that. And also, you arch your back as oh, well. If yeah. you're doing certain yoga moves, you might have to arch your back. Yeah. Um all right what about this uh thing Anna this is like a little deck chair that you would put the baby in and the baby sits in the deck chair you kind of strap them in and they can sit there and they can kind of go boing boing boing
2: <laughs> Um that's a bouncer Yes Yes
1: a baby bouncer. Now, that's not the other thing. There's another thing that, uh, um, oh, yeah. that kids can also bounce in. Yeah. And this is where you kind of, they sit in it like, it's almost like a harness and their legs are down. They're, they're upright. Mm-hmm. Their legs are down at the floor as if they're standing up. And there's an arch over the top. And sometimes it has wheels so they can move around. But then they are suspended in the middle on elastic sort of, things and they can jump up and down boing boing boing
2: so we you say an arch over the top that confused me they're normally doorway they're normally doorway bouncers oh in
1: the doorway yeah yeah you you can fit them to the doorway yeah
2: you suspend your child from long elastic from the top of your door frame and uh if you've got you know, cruel siblings Then they might pull the child, Uh, which is what I did for my little brother when I was little. He had one of these doorway bouncers and I got hold of him by the waist when no one was looking. I was a terrible big sister. I got hold of him by the waist and I pulled him back as far as I could and then let him go and just watch him just boing around. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Mum wasn't happy about that one. (laughs)
1: Um, I think we call it a jumper, don't we?
2: Uh, Yeah, that would would sound... I'm actually trying to find... You're Googling it.
1: I'm trying to find the word in my list. I I wrote it in the list. Where did did I put it? Baby jumper. Yeah, but a a jumper is also a thing that you wear, like a sweater. A pullover in America. A a pullover. A sweater.
2: No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. Do you
1: know that quote? <laughs> no. That's from Which, Dumb and is that Dumber. that airplane?
2: No, Dumb and it's Dumber, what? when they're driving along and the, the police car is like, pull over. He said, no, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing.
1: Right. Wonderful. Yeah. Meaning pull over the car. Yes. But he thinks the policeman's just going, is that a pullover? No, it's a jumper. Yeah. But thanks for yeah. noticing. Yeah. So in the UK,
2: we obviously don't use the word pullover. We use jumper. Um, but of course, you've got multiple versions of jumper. It could be a baby jumper.
1: Yeah. So this in this case baby jumper that thing that I've I've heard that they're not actually very good for Well, they're supposed to kids. be a bit
2: dangerous actually, especially if you've got they... sadistic older sisters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also they they may interfere with the development you know mm-hmm. that that babies are not supposed to be upright in that yeah, position maybe. at that age they're supposed to be lying down and that's how that's the best way for their legs to grow and everything to develop properly mm-hmm. rather than having them suspended in a in a in a in a thing in the well, doorway like, what Yeah although you know maybe maybe historians will discover that for, for hundreds and thousands of years, humans have been suspending their children from elasticated things. Yeah, you know, there's like evidence of Bronze Age Britain when uh, children were suspended from treetops. <laughs> I don't think so, though. Um, uh, what, uh, if you want to go out and you want to take the baby with you, you don't want to just leave it at home. Mm. You want to go out. What's the thing that you can use to carry the baby, uh, attach it to your body, yeah, essentially? A
2: carrier, a, a baby carrier.
1: Yeah, correct.
2: Yeah, is that right? It feels a bit wrong a ba- now. I'm saying it
1: out loud. No, you're right. A baby carrier, and that will have like straps that you can tighten, a bit like a kind of a backpack situation, but with a but it goes on the front, and there's a baby in it. Yeah. So that's a uh, baby carrier. But also, there's the other version where it's kind of like, like a a
2: wrap. F- isn't it? A
1: wrap, just made of fabric, and you kind of wrap it round, and the baby kind of slips inside there.
2: Yeah, uh, which is, and then when you uh, do it badly, knows. and they just get lower and lower and lower.
1: <laughs> and then if you've done it wrong, slip! Oh <laughs> God, the baby slipped out. Yeah, um, uh, that's called a sling.
2: Oh yes, of course. That's that's what I was thinking of a sling. Yeah,
1: a sling. All right, next word. What's what is um, the thing when the baby's learning to walk? Sometimes you will uh, you'll kind of build a a sort of not a prison. Uh, for your child.
2: Oh, I see. Yeah,
1: but it's a thing to to keep the kid in one particular part of the room, so yeah. they don't crawl off and hurt, hurt themselves. themselves.
2: Yeah, uh, a pen, a play pen, or just a pen.
1: Yes, play pen. Yes, play pen. Also, um, uh, a fence. Yeah. which can be attached in the doorway. You know, and it's locked, and the kid can't open That's it a, unless
2: a baby gate.
1: A baby gate.
2: Yes, we have a baby gate at the top and at the bottom of our stairs, and luckily my boys have shown no interest in climbing up on them. But I did see a YouTube video of uh, a, a walking child in a nappy, so he must have been about one or just over one. There were there was a doorway with two baby gates, one on top of the other, so the baby gates were complete almost completely up to the top of the door frame, but there was a gap at the top. So two baby gates, one on top of the other. Um, I must've been about five feet high, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not very good with my measurements, right. not quite as tall as me, but quite tall. And this child climbed up. I mean, they have such amazing skills if you give them a chance. Climbed up, both of them, managed to commando <laughs> roll over, over the, the top and then slide down the other side. And when my partner showed me this video, it scared the life out of me because I thought, well, if we've got a stair gate at the top of our stairs and they try to climb over that, then, you know, they're going to fall down the stairs. But luckily, they never, they never even try to go over or open the baby gate. So, yeah.
1: phew. Yeah. And that child grew up to become... Tom Cruise. <laughs> or some sort of free climber
2: or something crazy. Or a free
1: climber some yeah. something. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, okay, I need to hurry up a bit. I don't want this to become too long, which is what I say in every single episode of this podcast. Um, okay, uh, what, what's, the, what's a device that you can use to essentially spy on your child? Um, I say that jokingly. Let's say your child is sleeping upstairs and you put something which allows you to hear them. It's little microphone and speaker set.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, a monitor. <laughs> a monitor.
1: Correct. Yeah. Ours yes. has got a
2: camera on it so you can actually spy on them. Uh, and because it's got nighttime vision, when they open their eyes, the light reflects off the their pupils. So they have these kind of glowing eyes. And so sometimes you're just like oh the baby's very quiet and you look at the monitor and the baby might be right in front of the camera cuz they've stood up in the night <laughs> and be staring into <laughs> into the monitor that's pretty freaky but, with
1: these glowing eyes yeah. it's like let's just check up on the baby oh my
2: god <laughs> Yeah. Or if, cause I, Aliens. Have, I have it on all night and I, cause I, I'm a very anxious mother at nighttime and in the night as I wake, I always have a look at the, at the monitor to see if they're okay, if they're covered up and things. And on occasion they have in the night, I wake up, I'm a bit snoozy and I look at the monitor and they're just there staring at the camera, <laughs> 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 you know, like poltergeist or some scary film comes to mind.
1: Uh, that's good. <laughs> um, Okay. Uh what do we what do we uh, mm, mm, mm. Okay, um when a baby or child is eating, you put something around their neck so that they don't spill the food everywhere.
2: Yeah, a bib.
1: A bib, that's right. Yeah. Um <laughs> What does the baby what does a baby or or young child sleep in?
2: Uh, uh mummy's bed. <laughs> no, uh, a a cot. Oh. A cot you would normally put them in or a crib. I think, but that's more American, is it?
1: I think so, yeah. Yeah. A cot. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And when they're very young, it's a Moses basket, isn't it?
1: Yeah, a little basket and you can pick it up like that.
2: Yeah, very sweet. Although yeah, right. in some cultures and it's becoming a little bit more popular over here, they have a drawer. I think it's like a Swedish or some sort of Nordic thing they you oh, yeah. you are given a drawer uh, and in the drawer there are lots of things for baby when it's your first child, but then the drawer doubles up as a as a as a cot and you sleep your child in it oh, i'm sure I'm sure someone listening will know exactly what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, it doesn't mean you just put your child in the drawer. Okay, good night then, <laughs> and just close the 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 chest of drawers. Where's the baby? Oh, in the in the chest of drawers. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's it's a nord. It's a Swedish thing. Oh, well, that must be fine then. If it's good enough for the Swedish and Norwegians and the Danish, yeah, then it's must be fine. Yeah, but
2: normally um, it would be a cot. Although we n- cot. we never used one. We did a we did a floor bed Montessori style. Oh, which um, which is supposed to, uh, what's the word? Encourage independence in the child. Um, is
1: that what you want, though? Do you want your an, a <laughs> independent child independently <laughs> just crawling around while you're asleep?
2: Well, so we ha- What we did was we took the door off the bedroom, so there was no door on the bedroom. But we put a baby gate up so that they could always mm. see out and we could always see in. And we put a curtain up so it wasn't drafty or too bright. And then we built them like a little house bed kind of thing but it was on the floor so it was a bed but it was kind of in like covered with a you know roof and and walls with little little windows in Um, and then one side completely open and the idea is you in there you put them with some books and you put a drink and so they don't have to cry out for you anytime they need something in some cases they put a potty in there as well if they're potty trained so they can just get up get themselves a drink read a book if they want, because the idea with Montessori is they are just young people. And if you are put into bed and told you must lie down and you must go to sleep, but you're just not tired, and actually what would help you is to look at a book for a few minutes or have a quick drink then they're independent if they can get up and do it themselves. They don't need to call out for you for every little thing. So that was the idea. It didn't always really work like that.
1: I'm saying that's amazing. I mean, imagining you going in in the morning and let's check on the baby and you go in and he's just set up his own podcast Yeah. in there. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, wow, this whole independent yeah. um, bed thing is really working out. <laughs> um, um, okay, what, what basics? What do you... What do children wear so that when they do pee pee or poo poo, it doesn't go everywhere, and you have to change them regularly?
2: Uh, a nappy, a nappy, a nappy. Yeah, yeah we exactly. use. Uh, you've got a little girl, haven't you? But we, um, yeah. with our boys, we found the pull ups as soon as we could get them in pull up nappies were much better, much easier.
1: Um, yeah, they they come into yeah the pull up varieties where it's an elasticated waistband that just pull up and pull yeah. on, or you have got the ones where they. They have like tabs that you can attach and, yeah. and all that stuff.
2: They're very, yes. it's a lot of faff, isn't it? I love that word.
1: Faff. Faffing around of like, turn, turn, open, fold yeah. this part of the nappy down, pull that bit over, stick that to there, stick that. Da, 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 da. Yeah. A lot of yeah. faffing around. Whereas the elasticated ones, it's just like, okay, up, down, yeah. that's it.
2: Yeah. And teaches them about how to pull up their own pants and things as well. Once they're, once they're in pants, it's quite yeah. useful. Yes, my, my, my little one, my two-year-old is now saying, no, I do it I do it, and so when I'm trying to change his nappy, he's like, get off I do it, <laughs> I'm doing it all wrong so it's all folded over and yeah <laughs> You're Especially. like, uh, I, should
1: let, <laughs> I should let him do it, but also I don't want any poo yeah. anywhere else <laughs> yeah. except in this nappy, so I yeah. think I'm going to do it this time. Let
2: me help you
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah <clears throat> Okay, um, last one um what what do um when we go out you said that you've sort of stopped using this recently. Oh yes. Uh, when you go out with a child and and you know they may be too young to walk and maybe they want to sleep or something like that you have to push them around in something. Yeah. What is it?
2: Oh so this is interesting. So I always say pram but there are many ways of describing this and I'm not quite sure always of the difference. You've got a pram or a buggy talk about a buggy uh a stroller and oh, no, i think there's another way of, of describing it what do you call it
1: so <clears throat> pram push chair
2: push chair that's the one
1: buggy stroller i'm not sure exactly of the origin of all of these but certainly the word pram is one of those old-fashioned kind like of
2: lie flat
1: kind of ones is it large mary poppins kind of things yeah, they've did, got. A I don't special know if there's a name. pram in Mary Poppins. I don't know if there is one in. Why did I think of that? But because anyway. you're
2: thinking about the old-fashioned nannies that yes. did always have these, and they have a name. These beautiful old prams, where they had like curling or like an arched um, handle bar, and yes. a big, huge, big wheels, and and the actual the 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 holding part is quite curved, isn't it? Yes. It has Beautiful
1: a special things. name. Yeah, um, spacious, um, probably quite comfortable. Great suspension. You imagine yes. that they've got really good suspension in them, so that the, so that any bumps in the road will, you know, get get. Not not
2: wake not wake the baby.
1: Exactly. So that's a pram. Yeah. But the obviously, these days, we don't have that exactly. And what we've got, you know, with modern innovations and stuff, those things have changed. But the basics would be the pram is that mm-hmm. where the baby lies flat and a push chair is essentially a, a chair with some wheels on it. And you kind of they sit in it strapped in and you yeah. push them around. So those in British English, I think those are the two main ones. And then probably a lot of the innovations that have happened have been done in, internationally uh, or at least have come from the states so the yeah. words like a buggy and a stroller these these words are probably originally from america but we use them too
2: yeah cuz st- i mean stroller sounds american doesn't it stroller let's take a stroll it just
1: a stroller yeah. a stroller like um, you know, oh, we we're going. I think we're going to get a new stroller.
2: Yeah, um, it's, yeah it has an American very... feel to it. I, I don't ever say stroller myself. Um, no, neither do I. We we do say buggy because I think our actual model is called like the sports buggy. I think that's we have got a Phil and Ted's sports buggy. Sports?
1: Um, what sports are so, you doing uh, <laughs> with that? Racing?
2: Yeah, well, it's it's made for running. It's it's got great oh. suspension. It's a three wheeled um, contraption. Oh, yeah. it's not a contraption, a device, a vehicle, whatever we'd call it. Uh, but it's got three mm-hmm. wheels rather than four, and it's supposed to make turning very quick and responsive, which is great if you've just had a C-section. But it's meant to be good for running. And it had um, our old model of it had um, a handle brake release, so you could, if you squeeze it, it would go. But as soon as you release the handle, the brake would go on. So if you were like right. running along and you tripped, for example, the the buggy wouldn't keep going without you because you'd let go and the brake would automatically um, go on. And there was also a safety strap you could put around your wrist. Um, And and that has, that's great because it has also lies flat and sits them up. So if they want to have a snooze while you're taking them out for a run, then you can and they're quite good for going off-road so if we're ever doing like a an an off-roading stroll no but if we're going out in the country it's a bit muddy we have also the there's one you can get that folds and is small enough to take on a plane
1: yeah that's the The yo-yo
2: yo-yo so we have one of those we had all these inspiration these uh, um, ideas of being Inspiring parents who would travel with our kids and then you know we had lockdown with the first one and then with the second one we're just like there's no way we're traveling with two kids it's too expensive it's too much hassle but we'll just stay in england for a while so we, but we have this yo-yo and we use that because it's quick and easy around town but if we're ever going to like the park or like in the countryside somewhere then the sports buggy is the best option because the yeah. wheels are big <laughs> You know. Yeah.
1: I mean living in Paris and having kids in Paris, the idea of having a sports buggy is just like hilarious. The idea that you could basically yeah, the yo yo is definitely the most popular pram. Yeah. I see there I'm calling it a pram, push chair pram. Yeah. That's what we call it. Yeah. In, in with my my wife and I we do still call them prams. Mm-hmm. Um that's the yo-yo is definitely the most popular one here because, as you say, it's so small, and a lot of the streets here are very small and very yeah. crowded.
2: And do you feel like a superhero when you open it? Do you do the one-handed?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a superpower. It's like I will turn this small little thing in pow. Yeah, you know, yeah, you can go, to, or a magician. You, you kind of look a bit like a magician, like pow, and then
2: Alakazam. Wait.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly looks
2: like a briefcase now it's a pram Bam,
1: now it's a pram
2: <laughs> i always do it if i exactly. go out somewhere and i open up the boot of the car i look around there's some people I'm like oh so it's just someone walking past kapow and then like double take like, hang on wow
0: what
1: <laughs> amazing um Okay, I think that's probably the end of the quiz. And we should probably end it here. We could go on forever, but we won't. We're going to uh, stop this episode now. But um, uh, very nice to talk to you, Anna. And uh, obviously the YouTube channel that you've got, English Like a Native, is is doing really, really, really well. Thank but uh, good luck with the podcast, which Thank you finally you very much. started. And
2: you're going to come onto my podcast, aren't you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to do next. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that.
2: Fantastic. Well, we better yeah. go and get a brew uh, yes. before we do that. And refresh our palates.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks again. And I'll speak to you again in a couple of minutes. Toodaloo. Bye. So there you go. Thanks again to Anna from English Like a Native. Very nice to talk to her. Uh, you can find a vocabulary list and notes on the page for this episode on my website if you want to check specific words, because there were quite a lot of specific words and things that came up in this conversation, weren't there? Yes, there were. So if you were like, what, are the, huh? what was that? How do you spell that? I'd like to remember those things. Uh, well, go to the page for this episode on my website, go to the episode page, and there you'll see a list of all that stuff. Okay, if you're listening to this on a podcast app, which you probably are, uh, then look in the episode notes, the show notes. You'll find the link to the episode page there. Okay, Um, a reminder, just something to remind you. After recording this conversation that you just heard with Anna, Anna then interviewed me on her podcast. And as I said earlier, we had a good long conversation about lots of things with little stories and jokes and stuff. A good, long conversation. Anna interviewed me. And it's it's always nice to be interviewed. It's it's quite, quite flattering and uh, quite... Uh, it's kind of a treat to be interviewed when someone thinks that you are worthy of being interviewed and they ask you questions that they've thought about in advance. It's quite a treat. Uh, so, anyway... Um, you can listen to that conversation. I think it was even longer than the one you just listened to. And I'm wondering how Anna is going to deal with that. But you can find out for yourself by listening to that episode on Anna's podcast, which is called English Like a Native, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. And the episode with me should be available now. Um, And as you will discover, there are lots of other episodes there too. So there we go. All right, listeners. Yes, a new member of the Thompson family arriving in July. Uh, uh, Is anybody ready for this? Well, (laughs) we're just going to do our best, Uh, but we're looking forward to it. And uh, so, as I said before, I'm sure I'll talk about it a bit more. Um, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go on and on and on about that. Um, But obviously, as you can imagine, it's kind of a big deal for us. So I'll talk about it a little bit more in another episode, I expect. Um, and and so on. Okay, uh, but there you go. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Luke's English Podcast. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your subscription. Thank you for your support. If you are a premium subscriber, I hope you've been enjoying the recent premium episodes which I've uploaded, including P forty four and P forty five story time episodes with stories about me getting into trouble or maybe avoiding getting into trouble as a child. I've got lots of other stories like that, which are going to be coming up on Luke's English Podcast Premium. Lots of tales, stories and anecdotes from my life, which I've transformed into episodes of the Premium Podcast. And that includes the stuff like the, the, the vocabulary uh, practice, the verb forms, prepositions, and pronunciation practice as well. So that's all coming uh, in upcoming episodes of Luke's English Podcast Premium. Coming soon to a podcast subscription near you. If you'd like to sign up to LEP Premium and and like basically update your podcast feed in your podcast app of choice on your phone with all the premium episodes, then just go to teacherlukecouk slash premium to get started, okay? And if you are already a premium subscriber and you don't know how it works, just send me an email or go to my website. There's lots of information there, okay? You should be getting the, you should f- uh, add all the episodes to an app on your phone, okay? That's the right way to do it. That's the smart way to do it. Okay, then. But uh, thank you so much for your support. LEP Premium is what allows me to continue doing this podcast without having a boss breathing, a- breathing down my neck without having a boss chasing me up, without having a boss coming to my desk and saying, uh, Luke, can I just have a bit of a word with you? Ugh, no thanks. I don't have that. Thanks to Luke's English Podcast Premium. I get, to do, I get to do this my own way. And that's thanks to the support that I get from the Premium subscription. Okay, keep the dream alive. Subscribe to Luke's English Podcast Premium. Okay, thanks everyone. Be nice to each other. Okay, and I will speak to you again soon. But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.